Welcome to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast with your host, Jim Robinson. Hello, and welcome back to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Robinson. The objective of every product management team is to improve the product portfolio. In the case of corn product management, this may be through increasing yield, producibility, agronomic characteristics, or just filling a hole in the lineup for a particular geography or relative maturity. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Rob Seco's objectives this year in corn advancements and how we did with the new class versus those objectives. So to talk about that with us today, we have back Nate Meyer and Jacob Foley. Welcome back, Nate. Thanks for having me, Jim. And welcome back, Jacob. Good to hear from you, Jim. Thanks. Excellent. So you guys are product evaluation leads, and one of the big tasks that you're tasked with in your role is to help us characterize our current portfolio as well as look at new potential products to bring into the portfolio. So you kind of know where all the little holes are, all the strengths are, and things of that sort. So, Nate, I want to start out by... We had a big objective with the the hole that was developing in our lineup that needed to be filled this year. And so uh, with this year's advancements class, what was the biggest challenge that we had to fill in? Right, Jim. In years past, you know, everything for us was kind of free game as we look at AgriSure traits. Um, So this year, instead of just having to look for products that move the peg when it came to yield, uh, agronomic characteristics, or if you said like we had that hole in the portfolio, we needed to find something to replace um, some of our really key products that have uh, AgriSure rootworm stack, uh, trade stacks uh, like AgriSure 3000 GT or AgriSure Viptera 3111. Mm-hmm. So as we went into uh, advancements this year, that was one of our key goals is to find something for that. Because what happened was the EPA elected not to extend the registration of these traits. Um, and the reason they did that is there's a lot of um, traits that are uh, traits that have two modes of action for below ground rootworm control. And when they do uh, not extend the registration, it's going to improve the, the resistance management around there. So, like I said, a couple of key hybrids that we had, we needed to find something to replace them as we move forward. And luckily enough, we were able to do that. So mm-hmm. a couple of new key products we have that are going to have Duracade would be RC49, 835222 and RC6170-5122. So as we look at some of the other um, corns that we had in our portfolio, 6125, 3111A, 5112-3011A, uh, these are going to be really nice replacements moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, with you know the, the EPA's election not to re- extend the registration of those trait stacks, you know, it really did create a situation where you know, we've had RC5112 around for uh, going on eight years now, and it's really been a key stable hybrid in the lineup, and we needed to be able to find something else with a corn rootworm uh, trait stack to to allow us to move on from that. And the same thing goes for 6125. It's a little bit newer, but it's such a stable product that 6170 is going to really provide a nice uh, update in terms of overall yield potential, but as well as bring along with it its ability to bring uh, Duracade, so 5122 trait stack. Now, Jacob... Last year, one of the things that really ate at us in our new advancements class was we felt pretty thin on what we were able to advance between the 90 and 106 RM and that we didn't have any new advancements in that maturity range. Now, this year, we were able to bring in some new blood, and and we were actively looking for those. So what were we able to achieve within this maturity? Yeah, so, you know, it's frustrating 
on one hand and on the other hand it's not right all it means is that we couldn't find any, other, any new hybrids that moved the peg even though we're always looking for those hybrids there just there weren't enough that we thought made a difference in the portfolio now jump head to head to this year we've got six new hybrids from that 92 to 104 rm right so we've got mm-hmm. uh, a new 92 day 4213 you know that that's going to be a workhorse type hybrid it's going to that takes a lot of your tough acres. It's going to have some top end yield too, but it should be really well adapted east to west. And then we've got a, a lineup. We've got a new 97, 98, 99, and 100 day. And each one of them is different from the one next to it. They all they have their spot in the book and on your farm. We just It's going to take a little characterization and a lot of work in 2022 to figure out where they perform the best, where they go, where they belong. And then the last in this group will be a, a new 104 day, 54, 65. So really a a full class if you think about it in this area and probably one of the best ones we've had in a while. Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, you know, that's a difficult maturity to breed for because you, you tend to, if you're somebody that really likes corn genetics and, and kind of the history of corn genetics, you start to cross over into different heterotic patterns. So different families of inbreds that don't necessarily talk or play well with each other. So it's a difficult maturity to breed for. And the industry has always had some challenges there, although things are improving as, as molecular markers are used more and more in the breeding side of things. I have a feeling that we're going to be talking a little bit more about the new 100-day as we get a little bit later on into this episode. I think, uh, Jacob, you'll probably have a few things to say about that hybrid. But Oh, I definitely will. And, 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 and Jim, a question for you. You mentioned new blood and then the heterotic groups. Are mm-hmm. we seeing new heterotic groups with this class? Do we have new inbreds and things that we're not, we've not seen before? Yeah, you know, this class does bring in a couple of things that we historically haven't seen in the portfolio overall. Our, our portfolio is pretty heavy into the your classic stiff stocks, you know, being typical females within the portfolio, so B14s, B73s, and things of that sort. But on the male side is where you generally find more diversity. We're, we're really heavy on the... Um, uh, LH-123 types or the iodents within the portfolio, Ohio 43s. But this year, we're actually going to see some uh, WF-9s coming in and a couple of other interesting heterotic backgrounds that we haven't seen in a while. But, you know, that, that does bring us into the full-season side of things because in that full-season side, you know, we, we have a lot of Missouri 17s, but we'll see a little new blood there. And, you know, Nate, we've historically been really strong in this full season portfolio. So that's, you know, greater than 114 relative maturity. What can you say about our new additions to that part of the lineup this year? Yeah, Jim, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, the areas where I get to play 113 and above, I, I feel really, really confident in what products we currently have. Um, so in that area, we're not necessarily looking to plug a hole, fill a gap, anything like that. We're looking to, you know, maybe add on a trait uh, in a key uh, maturity we don't have. And this year, we're lucky enough to find uh, RC 6541-3220. Uh, it's going to be excellent 115-day, uh, going to move south very well, has a ton of yield with it, uh, great agronomics. Uh, but one of the keys there is it's going to be a 3220. So mm-hmm. uh, in the areas where this is uh, planted, there's usually significant earworm and western bean cutworm pressure. So adding in that Viptera to help with um, a product we advanced last year, IC 6653-3120, adding that Viptera, uh, giving those growers assurance that they're going to have protection against those two pests and a few more, um, it's something we're really looking forward to. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, we're seeing more and more in a lot of geographies, you know, not just South Texas, but as you move into Kansas and parts of Nebraska, even as you move into other parts of the Corn Belt, more and more growers are making decisions on their corn hybrid selection based on the ability of a hybrid to bring Viptera with it or not. And so, you know, when you can protect your, your ear from 
uh, Western bean cutworm or corn earworm, you reduce the amount of mold, aflatoxins, thomasins, uh, things of that sort that may be toxic or get you docked at the elevator. So having Viptera as part of the um, package really does act as an insurance policy against those those pests. Now, Jacob, to kind of pitch a similar question to you, you know, in our early season lineup, so sub 90 RM lineup, uh, we've put a lot of pressure on hybrids like 3601 and 4166. Were we able to alleviate some of that pressure with any of our new advancements? Yeah, so both those hybrids are strong performers in the book, probably two of the best on the early side for us. 3601 has, I mean, both of them have gone east to west, north to south. They're very broadly adapted. They cover a whole lot of acres. So I don't think we're all, we're looking to replace those really, Jim. I think mm-hmm. we're just looking for, hey, let's, let's, let's bring something in that, that pairs well with those two. So to pair with 3601, we have 3558, new mm-hmm. RC 3558, new 85-day. And to pair with 4166, we have 4213. So both of those have their place alongside those things, that 3601 and 4166. You know, they combine good yield, agronomics, very good drop tolerance on both of them. You know, that 3558, if I remember back from the data, it, it really lit up the map that we look at when it comes mm-hmm. to, to yield and just overall performance. Really looking forward to seeing how those two, how those both do in 2022. Oh, for sure. You know, I after our advancements call that we did with all of the, the sales group within Rob Seco, I, I got the question back at the end of the call is, did 3558 really not lose a single location relative to the commercial checks or the commercial comparisons it was being compared against? And yeah, and this last year's data that the hybrid either tied or was better than those checks at every single location that it was tested in in its pre-commercial trial. So that's always a lot of fun to show and a lot of fun to see because that's a really confidence-inspiring map. Well, so, and in, in 2021, you know, drought scores were <laughs> – we got a lot of really good looks at drought scores this year. As everyone knows, mm-hmm. we, we were a dry year. So the, the drought tolerance of both those hybrids were put to their – through the through the ringer this year, they were tested extensively, so mm-hmm. we can pretty confidently say those both handled twenty twenty one very well. Absolutely, we did see a lot of separation this year between those hybrids that are are drought tolerant and those hybrids that may need a little bit of work on its, on the drought tolerance. So that was a lot of fun to be able to see and show that. We also had a lot of locations with really high yield potential. I mean, if you think back to those geographies that were impacted by drought, some of those areas, you know, ten miles apart, five miles apart got rain in timely manners and some of those areas just did not so we had the the ability to see high yield potential versus really stressful conditions and so that's always a really nice thing when you're looking for new hybrids to find stability so nate i want to ask you a question what is your favorite new advancement in this year's corn class and why so, Jim, that's like asking somebody who their favorite kid is, really. So, but, well, maybe not kid. How about maybe your favorite pet? But, um, so I liked a lot of our advancements, um, you know, starting from the early end um, all the way to the late. Uh, there's a few that really stick out for me. And I went back and forth thinking about this for a little bit. So I'm going to have to say I'm going to go with RC6170. So, mm-hmm. Uh, what what I liked about this one, it moved east to west really nicely. I was pretty dominant in Iowa, um, eastern Nebraska, moved south fairly well too. Uh, I like that it's going to be 111 day where we do have a little bit more of a gap than uh, in our later maturities. 
I like that we're going to have two different um, trade packages with it. Uh-huh. So we can either do a 3120 or a 5122. So we're really looking at any acre with that. And at the end of the day, it really moved the bar on yield. It was just outstanding that way. So looking forward to seeing that in a lot more plots and fields as we move forward. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we had the great opportunity with that hybrid this last year to put it out into strip trials. And so we got a chance to see it across an awful lot of geographies, locations, a lot of yield comparisons. And the hybrid's one that's just going to move the peg really well. Now, Jacob, same question to you. What's your favorite hybrid from this year's new advancements class and why? Well, 4213 sticks out on the early side as I think that one's going to be an acre eater. But if I have to pick just one, it's 5062. You know, we've, mm-hmm. we've had two years of data to look at that. We've looked at it in trials twice. Uh, that thing looks like it goes east to west, north to south really well. High yield, low yield. Doesn't really care what population you put it in at. Sun stress, heat stress, high yield. It just seems like it's going to be a planet and forget it type hybrid mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to look at that one this summer absolutely you know that hybrid as as you are well aware is a hybrid that you know was just out of reach for us for for way longer than we would have liked i.e one year we looked at that hybrid and really wanted to bring it in last year but that was one of the casualties of 2020's derecho and so the parent seed field to grow up the parent seed to, to make, you know, the males and females of that hybrid uh, got hit by the derecho, as did the plot seed field. And so we had to sit on our hands knowing that that hybrid was ready to go, that, you know, it was commercializable. It would have been a great addition to the portfolio last year, but we had to wait. And in waiting, you know, we got some more confidence in the hybrid and that it did exactly in 2021, what it did back in 2020, you know, it was a high yielding hybrid across all yield levels. Perfect. I shouldn't say perfect. Excellent agronomics. No hybrid has perfect agronomics. Uh, and, you know, east to west, north to south, it's going to do everything we want it to do. And now with two years worth of data, we can really go out there and be really aggressive with that hybrid and trying to get it on all of our customers' farms, you know, encouraging everybody to plant at least a little bit of it if they do plant 100 RM. But, uh, I do have to, to also add to, to Nate's point, you know, I, I'm one that I love full season hybrids. And so I just can't get away from 6541. That, that I think was my favorite hybrid in this year's class. You know, it was one that we, we got a little bit of a chance to preview last year as well. And it, it looked really nice with its ear flex. I like hybrids that have good heat tolerance because you never know in the Midwest what we're going to get. And uh, having Viptera just makes it a lot of fun of, a, you know, for a hybrid for us there. Now, you know, Overall, I would say this has been, since my time as a product manager, kind of my favorite advancements class that I've, I've gotten to help deploy. Uh, and so, you know, that, I'm excited about this year's class. And I think we filled in a lot of holes, having the big monumental task of having to replace some key 3000 GTs, 3011As, 3111s, those single mode of action corn rootworm traits. You know, really, it was a difficult task. But I think with a couple of the new Duracades, we're able to do that quite nicely. Anything you guys would like to add? Not really, Jim. I think you summed it up really well there. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Jacob, thank you for coming on the call. You bet. We'll talk to you next time. Excellent. And Nate, thank you for joining again, too. Absolutely, Jim. My pleasure. All right. As always, be sure to tune in on the 1st and 15th of every month for new episodes. And until then, stay field ready. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. Join us next time to be field ready.
A Huda Media Production.